younger brother, Steve. We were the fearsome foursome. Gloria and I, four years older and much more sophisticated than our younger siblings, were annoyed by their very existence. Playing with them was out of the question. We hid from them and threatened acts of violence against their persons should they come seeking us. Our secrets were too delicious, our time together too valuable to be shared with them. But on that Christmas Eve, we put aside our loathing of Melanie and Steve, not wanting to fall into disfavor with Santa Claus, on the one night of the year when it was imperative that one remain in his good graces. We were on our best behavior at dinner. Following the meal, we offered to help clear the table. Little angels we were. Good behavior is never as good as when motivated by greed. After dinner, it fell to my Uncle George to divert us kids for an hour or so. George was the baby of my mother's family and had turned 16 that year. He probably put up an argument against this babysitting duty. On second thought, since he had just obtained his driver's license, he might have welcomed any excuse to get behind the wheel. I don't remember. I do remember him hurting us into his jalopy. Going out with Uncle George promised to be an adventure, and our excitement could barely be contained. Gloria and I were even tolerant of Melanie and Steve tagging along. Now, a word here about my Uncle George. He is a born liar. Until I was old enough to tell him to shut up and leave me alone, he tormented me with elaborate tales about a dreadful toad named Froggy Boodle who ate children while they slept. Froggy Boodle had open sores that oozed blood and pus. His tongue was wickedly long and slimy and poisonous. He had large, snapping lips from which there was no escape. To this day, I have my Uncle George to thank for a pathological fear of frogs, and he continues to weave what he swears are true ghost stories that cause me to shiver and check beneath my bed before going to sleep. But never was his talent for prevarication exercised so convincingly than on that December night when he had me, Melanie, Gloria, and Steve claiming that we spotted Santa Claus and his sleigh streaking across the South Texas sky. At that time, Fayetteville was a hamlet with a population of maybe a thousand people. There were no city lights to dilute the brilliance of the stars. It was a cold, clear night. Uncle George had driven us to the outskirts of town when he suddenly stomped on the brake pedal and to the accompaniment of squealing tires, shouted, There he is! By golly, it's Santa Claus! We four craned our necks to look out the car's window, which quickly fogged with our warm breath. Uncle George got out and gazed heavenward. We scrambled from the back seat after him. See? There! We eagerly followed the direction of his pointing finger. Each of us in turn shouted, I see him. We hopped up and down. We squealed. We clapped our hands. Uncle George told us to be quiet. Listen. If you listen, 
you can hear the sleigh bells. We listened. We heard. I can see Rudolph's red nose, he said. See it? We would have sworn on the heads of our yet-to-be-born children that we saw Rudolph's glowing nose pointing the way for the other reindeer. There he goes, Uncle George said wistfully as Santa disappeared beneath the far horizon. Strange he didn't stop here in Fayetteville. I guess there are no good little children in this town on Christmas Eve. Have I mentioned Uncle George's mean streak? I'd like to tell you that he outgrew it, but alas. However, we need not have worried about Santa's failure to stop in Fayetteville. When we returned to our grandparents' house, he had been there. Beneath the Christmas tree that died.